Hey everybody, this is Mike Paterno, and I want to welcome you to Mostly Unseen with Jeff Boucher. Thanks for joining us. We're happy to have you with us today. Jeff is the pastor of Mill Pond Church. I want to let you know that any of the segments from our podcast will be accessible through our website at millpondchurchny.com. Today we're continuing our introduction discussing how God wants a love relationship with us and God's will in your life, modeling Jesus. We're working off a workbook written by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God, which we as a church are working on and learning about the seven realities of experiencing God. With me as always is our host, Pastor Jeff Boucher. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, Mike. Good to be here and uh, very excited uh, to be doing this series. Mm -hmm. um, I love this. I think I might have mentioned in probably every other time that we've ever talked about it, but I've, I've been through this series many, many times through the years. And what I love so much about it is that it's very, very biblical. Right. So mm -hmm. it really does capture um, the patterns that we find in the Bible. So mm -hmm. Henry Blackaby did a great job um, listening to God and mm -hmm. putting this, you know, into a codified form of a workbook here. And uh, so, you know, what what we're really doing, we're taking some of his ideas, his thoughts, working our way through it and putting a little bit more, you know, flesh on it uh, at mm -hmm. times. So so that's what we're doing. And. Um, last week, as you know, we were talking uh, about really what I'm going to call a prerequisite to experiencing God, because everybody wants to experience God. They want to, you know, how come I don't see God? How come I don't hear God? How come I don't, you know, I'm not really sure he's there. It doesn't seem like he answers my prayers. You know, and if these are the kinds of questions that uh, you have, if you're listening, this series is for you, because this is what we're talking about. And we really talked about kind of the prerequisite it's uh god's will in your life mm. right and the prerequisite for hearing or knowing god is really to have a relationship with god mm -hmm. and people think right away, well what do you mean i don't 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 you automatically have one or you know if they're if god is really there he already knows you you know well that's true he does know you um but you may not know him mm. and chances are if you're asking that question you don't Mm -hmm. No. So that's what we, we, we talked a lot about. And the Apostle Paul walked us through the book of Romans that he wrote. And we, we picked up on some really powerful passages of Scripture that really made, it, I guess it made it come alive what it means to know Jesus mm -hmm. as our Savior. So if you want to know, if you want to hear from somebody, if you want to know their heart, you have to know them. You have to get into a relationship with them. That's the same with God. So what we're going to look at, you know, since we talked about that part, is saying, okay, I come to faith. I accept Christ as my Savior. I put my trust in Christ. What does that mean? What does that look like? Kind of where from here? So that's what we want to talk about or start talking about today. And here's, you know, what we're going to start with is that, Jesus is our model. Mm -hmm. What do I mean by that? When we are growing up, we, we, we have role models. Sometimes we don't even know that that's what we're doing. We just, you know, when we're little kids, we look at them and say, I want to be like them. I want to do what they do. And typically they're picking out one thing. They might be an athlete. I want to play baseball like they play, football like they play, whatever it is. Or you, you're a musician. I want to play like that guy plays, you know, the, the guitar, or the right, piano, right, right, right. or sing like them, or 
I want to draw like that. Or I, So we have role models. And very often, your role models at the early stages are your parents. Mom, dad, maybe an older brother, older sister. Um, depending on what your, your life has been like, what your family's like. So we're not foreign to the, you know, it's not foreign to us, the idea of role models. So Jesus is our role model. He came from heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. He's remember Jesus, a member of the Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. So to rectify the problem of sin, God himself had to come to earth. Mm-hmm. And more about that. You can catch last week's uh, podcast. I think that was called. Uh, Kenny, what was that called? We're going to find out for you <laughs> right here in a minute. Um, but anyway, so the prerequisite is a relationship with Christ. Okay, so once we've had that, now what? Mm. What do you mean Jesus is our model? We can Jesus lived life for us the way he wants us to live life. He modeled it. Oh yeah, but wait, he's God. No, but I want to I want to take a look at at, at uh, Philippians 2 to start us off. And God just shout it out, Kenny. What is it? God's will and your life, Jesus is your way. Okay, God's will in your life, Jesus is your way. And uh, that was uh, our our uh, time where we talked about your relationship with Christ mm-hmm. and why that's so important. Now, as we look at this, I'm going to turn to Philippians chapter 2, and Mike's going to you know read for us. And I think what I might have him do is just read from verse 1, um, because I... Eh, now, you know what? Um, read, read from verse 5, Mike. Okay. This way we can talk more about it. All right. Uh, and go go from 5 uh, right up through 11. Okay. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Okay, so... Scholars would call this, you know, when I went to school, the scholars that I studied with would, would call this the, the kenosis passage. The, it was a self-emptying. Um, imagine God himself coming to earth, becoming part of his created order. Because up to that moment, God was completely separate from it. You know, th- this is not animism. It's not, you know, anything like that. But... It's God being completely separate. So now God steps into time. And he does it as a human being, but he does it as a perfect human being. So somebody might ask, so he's not God anymore. No, he is God. He's just taken his godly attributes. Things like being all-knowing, being all-powerful, being um all everywhere present um being all loving being all you know being immutable unchangeable 
these are things that that Jesus put on the shelf, if you will, to, to use a common metaphor. And he said, I'm not going to use these things because I'm going to live an example. The people I'm living the example for will not have what I am. They are not God. They're not going to be able to do that. So what would a, a human life look like that's lived perfectly? That's lived, you know, in, in a way that is obedient to, to God and, and you know, pleasing uh, to his father. And so that's the, the picture um, that we're going to start off with. And so here it, it says, and you just read this, that Jesus, it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus had. Well, his mindset was to do what? Be reliant on the Father. Please the Father. Be reliant on the Father. Um, humble himself before the Father. Live obedient, listening to the Father. You know, where the Father would guide him. That's what he's going to do. That's where he's going to go. When the Father speaks to him. Now, one of the real exciting things that we're going to find out in the, you know, days ahead in the episodes ahead is that god speaks today just like he did in the time of christ mm -hmm. and people go no it, it was very different you know he spoke directly to people he speaks directly to people today and you'll you'll see don't don't tune me out yet until you, you find out why i say that um but but i think we're going to all see why that is so this passage here he says have the same mindset as christ jesus who being in very nature God, same nature. We don't have the same nature as God, right? We are created by God. We're in God's image. We're God's you know, crowning achievement of creation. We are, you know, going to live with God in eternity if we come to Christ. Um, or if we choose not to, we'll be separate from him. And... So this is just a powerful, powerful look here. So these verses, he says, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In another version, it'll say, uh, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or grasped at, right? Mm -hmm. Or gone after in that way. Um, or another version in the, let's say the NRSV, says, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, which is similar to mm -hmm. what the NIV said. Um, but instead, what did he do? He emptied himself. I love that. Emptied himself. Emptied himself of himself, if I can put it that way. Mm -hmm. he, what did he do? He died to self. You think this was, a, you know, something God would want to do, go down into the creation? You think about how much you had to give up to get there. Right. Do I want to put my attributes on hold? He still possessed them. He could pick them up at any time. It's not like somebody could come and, you know, do anything. But in this relationship, what he decided to do before he ever came, the father mm -hmm. said, I'm going to take care of you in your human state. I'll watch over you. Because Jesus, you know, the Bible tells us that God does not slumber, nor does he sleep never sleeps did jesus go to sleep he did he did because he was human he was human so when he was sleeping he was truly unconscious mm -hmm. right 
probably having dreams, doing all the things that we have. The body is recovering itself through the night. So at that point, he's not taking he's not taking charge of the world. Mm. But who is? The father is. The father watches over him. The father protects him. How, how do we get through life? Well, hopefully we're relying on God. Same way. We're also sleeping well. <laughs> Same way, right? So when we look at that, that's a, this is such an important aspect of Christ's life. He had a dual nature. He was God, right? Which means he's perfect, sinless, but he's fully man. Fully God, fully man. Two natures living in one person, okay? One human body. Now, understanding that, he goes on and he says that he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Now, in nature, he was who? In his very nature, he was God. He was God. He was God. But he said he put that aside and took up the nature of what? Of a servant. Of a servant. Now, that is, it's hard to, if, if you understand what this means, it's hard to get your hand around it, right? Your head around it. It's, you're looking at it's going, that's such a demotion. That would be such, okay. Then we, of course, have to ask why. Why would he do that? The mission. And, and why would the mission be there? Why would the mission to save man? Why? What motivated it? Love. God's love for us. Anybody that says God doesn't love them, does not know scripture, mm-hmm. does not know what God sacrificed, does not know what God gave up for 33 years. Jesus, right, gave up. You know, three, the Trinity, three persons, one God, which is hard for us to understand because there's not much like it on earth. And we're going to talk about the Trinity one day, but there's, I think we can get to an understanding, you know, to a great, you know, to a, a, a greater degree than we might have it. Um, but there's always going to be a little mystery to it. So it says he made himself nothing by taking on the nature, the very nature of a servant. So he was in very nature God, but now he has taken on by choice, by choice, the very nature of a servant. That's going to play very big in, in what we're talking about. So he was made, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. So it was God, but his appearance as a man. So people didn't see him immediately as God Mm -hmm. because what was his appearance a human human and that was unfathomable to many people so it says being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself how much to the point of death yes by becoming obedient to the point of death that he allowed his own creation to what to die execute him he allowed humanity his creation Mm. to arrest mock beat you know torture and ultimately crucify him maybe you'll say come on why would god do that hang in with us you're going to find out exactly why but the motivation is love and it wasn't any kind of death it was death on a cross which under the law of moses jesus was a jew what did that mean that was really when you're forsaken by to be put, by God to be put on a cross. Yes. You were forsaken by God. You were accursed of God. You had the curse of God upon you. Why? Because anyone who sins is accursed of God. So when Jesus came, he took on himself 
He was perfect. But he took upon himself our sin. All sin. And therefore took the penalty of sin, which was the curse of God. So God put the curse on his son. Allowed his son to take that by, by being a sacrifice, take that penalty and thereby substituting himself for us so that when we come to Christ, recognize that we are running our own lives and we're doing, a, you know, we're making a mess. And then we say, I don't want to do this anymore, but I want to be your servant. You see, Jesus was glorified and is now sitting where? At the right hand of the Father. So he's back in his state, his perfect state. Mm -hmm. He has picked up the mantle of all of his attributes again. He is God. And now he gave us a model. And what does he ask us to do? Follow that model. And serve him. Serve God. And Jesus is going to intercede for us. Go before us on our behalf. When we stumble and fall. Help pick us up and go before the Father. He's mine. She's mine. And then the Holy Spirit has been sent to live within those who come to faith and to help them live their life. So that that is really the transition from last week into this, this week. So what is going on here? Jesus becomes a servant. So he he becomes human, and then he shows us what life ought to be. And then he says... Follow me. Follow me. And he says that to, to the, the apostles when he finds them. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But really, what does this mean? Here's what it means. Jesus wants us to do what he did, to be like he was. And the Holy Spirit's role in us, work on us, is to transform us into what? Into into the embodiment of Christ, the, the, the followers, the servants, yes. to be one like him in the body. He, he conforms us to the image of Christ. God says that in Romans. He is conforming us to the image of his son. He is, by the power of the Holy Spirit, making us more and more like his son. Well, what does that mean? We're going to look like him? No, we're, no. we're going to have the spirit indwelling in us that yes. he had. Yes, and we're going to become what? We'll what? become Christ-like. And Christ-likeness, in the context we're talking about, is becoming like what? Usually, I think of it as righteousness, but... Well, we are becoming more righteous. We are righteous because he died for us and imputed that to us, meaning he put on mm -hmm. us, you know, the the, the, the robes of righteousness. Right, right. Yes, Paul says okay? the clothes of righteousness. Exactly. And we are clothed in Christ, right? So we have that. But we are becoming, if we're following him, more and more of a servant. Because that's what he did. Mm. He emptied himself. He was equal. He was he was God, right? He was a member of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he lowered himself. He humiliated himself. Became a servant mm -hmm. in order to draw us to God. To bring us to the Father. What do we do? We humble ourselves to become more like Christ. To draw people, the world around us, to the Father. Jesus depended on the Father for what? Everything. Everything. Name some things. Everything. Food. Food. Um, actually, shelter. Shelter. Uh, they had to find taxes to pay the Romans, so they money. Yep. Yeah. I mean, right? Yeah. Protection. Protection. Right. 
He Father protected right? him many yeah, times. Yeah. Many times. Right? For knowing where the Father was working, mm-hmm. where he was at work. And that's where Christ would go. And that's what he would do. He was very much in tune. And that's the super exciting stuff that's down, mm. down the line in this series. So, anyway, Jesus then, you know, I'm going to, when I was a kid, one of the things I love to do, and I still love this, although this is becoming daily a lost art. I used to, in the car, if we were going on a road trip, you know, a vacation or something like that, I like to be the one with the map, <laughs> right? I wanted the map because I love maps. And, you know, and I remember with a neighbor, we were all going up to Massachusetts and I was sitting in the front seat. It was a station wagon and um, they had me sitting in the front seat between the mom and dad. And, uh, you know, they had me reading the map. So I was reading the map and I was telling them where to go. And I'd say, look for this marker. And I'd look up and I'd say, you know, it's coming up or, you know, but I love that. I loved that somebody wrote all this down mm-hmm. in a picture form. And then yet you could find writing, yeah. root this and root that and highway and, you know, and mile markers and all kinds of things. And so that's how we got around from place to place. But I gotta tell you, those, those, those map makers kind of, when they got to the, uh, off the beaten path, they didn't know all the roads <laughs> and there were roads that they just had no idea about. And you wonder, like, what did they make these after the map makers made the maps? And maybe that was true. But a lot of times they were just not really, really accurate. Mm. And, you know, so, you know, you've, we've all had the experience where it's an amazing thing when you have a map and you're trying to get somewhere. Now, remember, this is no GPS now. This is manual GPS. You pull mm-hmm. over and look at the map. Or you drive looking at the map. I used to put it on the steering wheel yeah, when I was older. I remember those days. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you pull over that. So then you, you, you just hope you kill nobody. Right. So you're driving. So you're, you're a map. You know, you're reading the map. But every one of us has had the situation where somebody will say, look, tell you what, my place is hard to find. I'm going to meet you in the center of town. The, the map will take you right there. Meet me at, you know, the Dairy Queen in the middle of town. Go to the Bear Queen, you get in the car with him, and I don't even, you don't have to look at the map. You don't have to pick the map up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he gets in the car and, you know, he leaves his car there. He says, Yeah, we'll drive in your car. I'll show you the way there. He gets in and he sits in the the passenger seat. And uh, as we're driving, you know, it's like, Okay, just up ahead, you're going to make a right turn, you know, by that big rock. Uh, Then you're going to go past that cornfield and make a left. Uh, Then you're going to go, you know, down there, you're going to see a little bridge. You know, don't take that first one, but go to the second one, take that bridge over, and that's going to get you over to this place and that thing. And you're like, you get there and you're like, I hope you're coming back with me because yeah. I'll never find, <laughs> just I'll never find my way back. <laughs> and they said, yes. How much easier was it having the person who knew the way? It was, oh my goodness, there's no comparison. No, it takes all the stress off you. It takes all the burden off. You can chat, you can talk. You could relax mm-hmm. because now when he got in the car, did he tell me all the way there? Did he say, Hey, first we're going to do this. Then we're going to go here. Then we're going to go there. No. Then we're going to do this. What did he do? It's just a step-by-step. Every step you got to, that's when he told you what to do. He said, I'll show you. He said, pull out, go right. Go right. Okay. You go right. And you trust him. And you just, you go, <laughs> you drive until he says something else. You just, I'm going straight. Okay. We've gone five miles. Um, we're we're going to make a turn up here. We're going to make a left, and it's going to be right after, you know, that big, huge rock. Went, okay. You turn left, and then you wait, and you start talking again. And he, you knew he was going to tell you what to do when. 
This is the picture of Jesus. And that's so elemental. Everybody can relate to that. Yes. Everybody can relate to somebody understanding. Exactly. If they can learn to extrapolate that to yes. Jesus, yes. Now, now you're going next level. Yes. And, and you know, this, knowing the way, when you come to Christ and you say, everybody's worried, what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do right now? Boy, if I, you know, where am I going to go to school? What classes do I need to take to get into that school to do this thing? And we, we go through mental gymnastics for all these things. When you come to faith in Christ, first thing I would say to God is, God, I'm your servant. Now, much easier to say than do. So you start thinking and living that way. And then you, know, you say, okay, if Jesus were me right now, what, what would he do? He, he said at 12 years old when his parents couldn't find him. And they had been traveling for a few days and they had a big caravan. So they thought it was with some of the relatives mm -hmm. and he wasn't, he was still back in Jerusalem and they go back there and they were very worried and very upset. And they find him. Where did they find him? In the synagogue. And what was he doing? Didn't you say, didn't you know I'd be in the house with my father? Yes. He's in my, <laughs> he's in, he's in the temple. And, and what, what does he say? Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? Wait a minute. Why did Jesus come to serve? To serve who? To serve the Lord. To serve, serve God, the Father. Father. And thereby serve everyone else. Because he knew what his mission was. Mm -hmm. It was unfolding for him. Somebody might say, well, what if I don't know my mission? That's, that's, that's great. Now, take your time. Sit before God. And we'll talk about, you know, as we go on, how to do that. Because... There are ways that you can absolutely do that. Mm -hmm. And so here's what we want to do. We want to, you know, kind of walk through what it means to be that servant. What does it mean to follow God? What does it mean to have Jesus as, as our model? I want you to read um, for us, Mike, John 14, 6. The Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6. All righty. And this is... I love this passage because it's it's the last day of Jesus' life. Mm. And he's talking to his disciples. And he knows that he's about to be crucified. And when you're about to die, what are the things that you share? The things that are most important to you. Things that you want to impart and that you want to be your departing words. Mm -hmm. Things that you find most critical to say to someone when you're about to leave this earth. Okay, so here's one of the things he said. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, I, I want that to be so understood. Read from verse 1 to 6. Okay, so he says, um, he says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. So what, Mike, you know, what, where are you reading from right now? 
I was reading from 13.1. Sorry, I have to read from 14.1. Sorry. Yeah, I was saying okay. that's a long yeah. passage there. It was you going. So, I, I thought we were going on the servant part, which is why I actually went no, to that you, one accidentally. You, that, so. that was a great passage because <laughs> Jesus... It was because we were talking about the servant disciples. portion yes. of it. Yeah. Sorry. So, so, I can, so, I will go, so now going to 14. Yes. So Luke <laughs> he says, 14, yeah, He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to there. I would not have told you that I'm going there to play, prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay. He says, Jesus said, you know, Thomas is looking and saying, Lord, show us the way. We don't know where you're going, right? So how can we know the way? He was going to the Father. He was going to heaven. Mm. He was going back to where he was, right? Seated at the right hand of the Father. And he says, you know, I, we don't know where you're going. How can, how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way. And I am the truth. And I am the life. Life, life itself. I am truth itself. I am the way that you need to go. That, that is it. So very, very powerful. Notice that Jesus did not say, I will show you the way. Right? He didn't say, I'll give you a road map. He didn't say, I'll tell you which direction to go. He said, I am the way. Right? And then he's, and, and Jesus knew the way. And Jesus is your way and my way. So, so that is, is a critical thing to understand. And then he goes on and we talk, how do we follow God? We follow him one day at a time. I think of Abram, and we're going to look at Genesis 12 mm -hmm. in a moment. But, you know, Abraham, which whose original name was Abram, God changed it to Abraham, uh, is a good example of the this approach of following God, right? And he walked by faith, not by sight. Mm -hmm. That's so important. Why is that important? Because if if we don't know the way, if we don't see it, we don't want to go. If we if we can't know what's waiting at the other end, that scares us. We don't want to we don't want to go. You know, there's a lot of things we want to be told up front. Well, tell me everything I need to know. But that's not how God works. Now, think of a servant. There's a master, right? And when I when we think of servants, you know, a lot of times people think of slavery like the slavery we experienced in America. Mm. I don't want you to think of that kind of slavery. I want you to think of, you know, back in biblical times in Rome, um, there was slavery of that kind, but there was servants. Mm -hmm. And servants were of a totally different class. They, their 100% role was to wait upon the, the master, the first family, if you will. And in everything they did, they'd wake up in the morning and attend to the needs of the master. And so this is the picture that we want to kind of look at. So Abraham is, uh, he gets a call to do God's will. Mm. And I want you to kind of notice in the verses you're going to read, um, how much detail was given, you know, before God asked him to follow him, mm -hmm. okay? Before he told him exactly what to do, um, let's kind of think, as you're hearing and listening to this, you know, try to pick out all the details of what God, you know, told him he was going to be able mm -hmm. to do. 
you know, or, you know, of, of the role he was going to play. Here we go. Right. We're going to go one through one through five. five. Yeah. So Genesis chapter 12, um, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land. I will show you, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Okay, so if you listen to that, and you could maybe pick some things out, you're not reading, it's easier to do mm -hmm. when you're reading it. Um, what did God say to Abraham? How specific was he with Abraham? In, uh, in, in layman's terms today, turn right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? So what did he say? He said, leave and go. Right? Get up. Uh, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to a land what? I will show you. <laughs> I will show you. Okay? So... Abraham knows that he that this is God, but God asks him to do a really incredibly hard thing. Leave your family, everything. This was not, you know, today we're upwardly right. mobile. We'll fly to Europe and back same day, you know what I mean, almost, right? And uh, we'll do business trips. We'll fly in the morning, an hour and a half away, come back for dinner. So to, to us, you know, we'll move across the country away from our families and everything we know, you know, because we know we have access. So... That, that wasn't the case. Now, he does this, and think about it. Are we ready to do that? Can we do that if we, God asks us to? We should be. That's that's where faith really is. Yes, right? It is where, where faith is. Because most people have faith ends at where their own hands end, and that's yes. the problem. That's not faith at all, actually. Right, yeah, exactly. Take a look, too. Read Matthew 6, 33 and 34 for us. Mm-hmm. But seek first his kingdom and the right and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have enough worry itself. Each day has trouble of its own. Okay, that sounds so simple, but so unrealistic, right? It's so unrealistic, we think, because who doesn't worry about tomorrow? Who's not thinking about, well, what do I need to do tomorrow? How am I going to pay the rent at the end of the month? What am I going to do here? What am I going to do there? What about this? What about that? And we, we start thinking that. But what is Matthew speaking? We, we cut into the middle of a passage mm -hmm. there. But people were concerned. He says, do not worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, right? What clothes you will wear. Don't worry about that. Instead, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. Now, put yourself in a servant mindset that I mentioned a moment ago. If I was living in the household of a master, of a great person, and I attended to him and put my 100% attention on all the details that he needed to accomplish. What does he make sure of? That you're taken care of. He makes sure I am taken care of. I am, I am completely taken care of here, right? And will, will, will I be taken care of the way he is? Maybe not. But I will have food to eat, a place to sleep, clothing to wear, all the things that I need. And I will have a job. I will have, I will be doing the work of my master. Now, 
when your master is perfect, who wouldn't like to work for somebody like that? Mm. Can you imagine an employer who was perfect, meaning treated his people perfectly. Everybody's hand goes up on that one. I want that guy, yeah. right? I want that woman, whoever it is. But, you know, they don't exist. And we know they don't exist. But there is one. Amen. God, yeah. right? Now, how long are we on earth? If you live a long time, a long time, how long are you here? Listen, if you make if you make ninety, you're playing with house money, as they say. Yes, at least maybe, maybe sooner, right? And and how many people personally do you know that made a hundred? Um, in your life that you know. In my life, listen, I used to work in a nursing home for fifteen years. All right, use that. So I can tell you, I can tell you for sure, the oldest person I ever worked with was was one hundred and eleven. Okay. Uh, I have one that's one hundred and eight, but and one that was one hundred and five. But I'll tell you what, that in we're talking in 20 years that I've been doing physical therapy, thousands and thousands and thousands of patients I've had, thousands. Right. Those are three people and thousands. Over 100. Go with the odds of that now. Yeah. Break that down. And that's the point. So what does that mean? It means you and I are going to die. Mm-hmm. Right? No one has ever defied that. Mm-hmm. Jesus himself didn't defy it. He, well, I can't say that. Wait. Jesus did die, but he rose again. So he, he didn't defy death. He, he was... He died, mm-hmm. but then he defied staying dead. Mm-hmm. He rose. But Elisha. Elisha, right. He was taken up. Yeah. Right? Enoch. Enoch, yeah. That right? was my next one, yeah. He was taken up. So we had two. All right, there were two. And only two in billions of people. Okay? When we think about that. So Jesus, okay, died but rose from the dead. We are going to die. When you die, how much of all the things that you own are taken? Uh, you're done taking anything with you. So really, you don't really own it, do you? Because if you owned it, you'd take it. Right, right. So really, you don't own it. And it's like cliche. You can't take it with you. Right. Right? They used to show that cartoon with a hearse. Yes. Trailing behind it, a trailer, you know, with everything he owned. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and we laugh at that because you've never seen that because nobody's taking it. Right, right. Somebody's going to argue and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. The pharaohs took everybody, including their living wives. They were putting the tomb with them. That is true. Mm. That is true. But they were still dead. But they were still dead. They became dead. Mm-hmm. The, the wives too. Yeah, yeah, right? They yeah. were all dead. So when you look at it, we don't take this world's goods with us. So if we really, really meditate on that, people say, yeah, but you have a good time while you've got it. Right? You do. You could. But think of how much is wasted. Mm. Think of how many people's lives we can make better. Mm-hmm. Right? But here's the thing. You know what God says? The point is, you don't have to worry about it if you're following me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure you have what you need. Now, that is a trust statement. If you trust God, you'll do it. Now, is it hard to trust God? Yes. It's hard if you've never done it before. Mm -hmm. But as you start doing it, I feel today I can trust God with anything. You know, and the things that he's done in my life showed me done in me and through me and through other people has been amazing. I mean, utterly amazing. And um, so I think that's important. So when we look at this, Abraham didn't get very much, right? By the way of, here's, here's you know, what to know. He's a servant. God told him what he needed to know in that moment. Mm. And I, I, I imagine if he told Abraham everything, he might not have gone. <laughs> he might have been overwhelmed. Right. That can't happen. How's that going to be? What can you God didn't, yeah, didn't bother yeah. with it, right? Now, sometimes you say, but, you know, I can't do that. I, I Fine, you know what you do? Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, um, gives us the answer to that. And 
you know, it's really, uh, I want to call it a promise. You can claim it as a promise because he says this is what he does. So what, what does the Apostle Paul say there? For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So it is God who works in you to will and to act, to want it and to do it. So if you are struggling and you think, gosh, I love what they're saying, but I could never do that. Ask God. Say, God, give me what I would need to do that. And and that's up to God mm -hmm. to do it, right? So let's talk about Jesus being our model. What did Jesus model? He knew something so well, so very, very well, that he was speaking of it at 12 years old when he spoke to the, high, to the, to the priests and the teachers of the law. He knew God's word. Mm -hmm. God's word today is the Holy Bible. It's scripture. And it is, it was given to us. It was a revelation that God gave to us. And the Bible has never changed. It has been the bestseller for as long as I know. Yeah, eons. <laughs> for eons, nothing surpasses it. And there's a reason for that. The Bible is God's word to us. We can count on it. We can... We can know it. And if you want to know who Jesus was, where do you look? In the Bible. If you want to know, you know, the thing Jesus, things Jesus taught, what do you, where do you look? You look in the Bible. If his actions. In the Bible, everything, yeah. You can find out so many things about Jesus. Well, if you're, if, if he is the way and the truth in life, but just using the first part of it, if he's the way, what do I want to know? You want to know the word so you know what that is. I want to know what he did. How did, how was he a servant? What did he do to be a servant? Where did he go? You know, how did he do it? Why did he do it? All those things, we can find all of that in scripture. And for somebody who's wondering, I would start with the gospels. You know, the gospels are, are the books that speak about much of what Jesus did. It was, it was the time period that he was on the earth. And you have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can look in your Bible, pick up a Bible. And, uh, and, and you could look at that. So when we think about this, we think about, you know, what did Jesus do? And when he started this public ministry, what are the kinds of things that he did? Well, Jesus was also called something in John 1.1. He was called the Word. The Word. It says, in the beginning, the Word was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, he's the word. He is the very word of God. Okay, imagine this now. Imagine if you could take the Bible, put skin and bones on it, put a beating heart in it, put eyes that can see and a mouth that can speak and so forth, and flesh the Bible so that it becomes a man. That's Jesus. Mm -hmm. He is the word of God. So if I'm watching and looking at Jesus, what am I actually doing? You're in the word. I'm reading the word. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it right in front of me. He is the word made flesh who came to dwell among us so that he could not only die for us, but show us the way. Mm. So he did. He gathered a few people around him, 12 of them mm -hmm. to be exact. Now, I'm going to call those the inner circle, right? 
But then there was the the followers. They 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 that weren't the inner circle, but they followed Jesus wherever he went. And they would be, you know, they would number probably in, in the scores to hundred and some mm-hmm. at different times, you know, when people could get away from the family and stuff, they'd go and they'd be with them. Some of them stayed with them the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then there was the crowds. They were the people that gathered wherever Jesus went to speak. And then when Jesus was done, they'd go back to their homes. But the followers, and of course the, the inner circle, the 12, would go with them wherever he was going. If he stayed there, they'd stay. If he went somewhere else, they'd go with him, and they'd follow him. So this is what he's doing. But how did he get that, that crowd? How did he get that, that crowd? How did he get that inner circle? And I want, to, I want you to read for us uh, Matthew 4, mm-hmm. and read 18 to 20 to start. Okay. As Jesus was walking besides the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. You want to hear 21? Was that through 20? That was 20, yes. Okay. So now, how much information did Jesus give them? One command. Come and follow me. Come follow me. Come follow. Now, they they had sat under his teaching maybe for several days. Um, They had heard him. They'd witnessed. And now, all of a sudden... Jesus says, come follow me, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, in 21 and 22, read that. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, how much information did he give them? Uh, the same amount that he gave um, uh, Peter and uh, Andrew. Yes, and they and they followed him, right? Now he said, Come follow me. And then he said, And I will make you make fishers you of men. Fishers of men. Jesus gave us the embryonic words there to say, I have come to call the lost. Mm. I have come, right, to do what? To seek, seek and, and save, save the, lost. the lost. Of whom all of us mm-hmm. were were once. Because God tells us. That, and we said this in a former um, session, that that God, right, that, that mankind, once he sinned and he, he's born with a sin nature, no one seeks after God. No one. And no one comes to Jesus unless the Father calls him. Draws them. Yeah. Calls them. Okay. So those are some great verses. Take, take a look now at, at, um, at, at Matthew 9, 9 mm-hmm. and read that for us. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Here's a tax collector. Now, if if people listening don't know what a tax collector is, the tax collector was hated by both Jew and Roman, Mm -hmm. right? And basically by everybody. And what they would do is they would be appointed, commissioned by Rome, by the authority, to go collect taxes from all the, the people in their area. And they, what they would do is, if you owed $100, they'd tell them, you owe me 110 Nobody could argue it. Nobody could stop it. All Rome cared is they got their 100 mm-hmm. And that's how you made your money. You, you, you added on. So everybody hated you because mm-hmm. they knew what you were doing. And they were all rich, these tax collectors. Mm-hmm. So Matthew was collecting taxes. And here Jesus calls him the most unlikely of people. You know, that, that I'm sure the other disciples that were already called probably 
did not care for at all to be really nice, right? So he goes and he tells him almost nothing and he follows him. He says he gets up and follows him. Now, look at Acts 9. Mm -hmm. Completely different group. Yep. This is this is now after Jesus rose from the dead. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit, you know, came and dwelt among us. And Saul, who later becomes the Apostle Paul, is going out. He's a, he's a Pharisee. He's a Jewish Pharisee. And he's persecuting Christians. Why? Because he sees them as a threat mm. to the Jewish faith. So... He's on his way from, from Israel up to um, Damascus, Damascus, and which is in Syria. And he's, he's on the road that leads to Damascus. And this is all about that. Mm -hmm. Read that. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So, so they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come from and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem, and he has come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. All right, so we have a lot right here. Mm. Saul was against God, mm -hmm. but didn't know it. He thought he was doing this in the name of God, mm. for God, doing God a service, a favor, Right? In that way. Saul was on his, his way to persecute Christians. And he was on his way to Damascus. So he, he realized this was getting out and beyond Jerusalem, and they wanted to put a stop to it. He gets knocked down. How much information does he get from God? Um, really, just, you know, go here. He gets and, an introduction. Yeah, he definitely gets that, right. <laughs> you know, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus whom mm -hmm. you're persecuting. Now get up and go to Damascus, right? Go to a man I will show you. That's it. Nothing. He tells Ananias what? He tells him actually a lot more. A lot more. And why? Ananias is a 
He's a disciple. He's a disciple. But he's but he was doubting. So the Lord probably just gave him more so that he would have that reinforcement because he knew what had to happen. And why was he doubting? Why was he doubting? Because he said, Lord, I heard reports about this man. He's come to persecute those of the way. Yes. He's he's trying to kill us, right? So God then says to him, and this is God. When you become a believer, God communicates. Mm. And people say, oh, is he going to show up like that? Well, he can. He's done it in the past. Mm -hmm. It happened in my life a couple times, but it's not the normal way. And and we'll talk about the normal mm -hmm. way. But just so you know, it's it's really it's how does he speak to us? Through scripture. Scripture. Circumstances. Circumstances. The church. The church. Prayer. And prayer. Those are the four main ways he speaks to us, right? But he goes outside those bounds mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's really important to understand. Now the most amazing thing is when, why did God come to Ananias? Not, had, I'm not giving you enough, but what's your guess? For some reason, he had to be the one to, to take the, um, take, give Paul, uh, give uh, Saul his sight back. Ananias is a servant of Christ. So Ananias, master his call. It's a job answered. that, Oh my goodness, I don't want to be the guy that brings him good news. I don't want to be the guy that brings him life. I don't want to, you know, this is terrible in his mind, I'm thinking, right? But he doesn't think that, right? That's what humanly we think. Mm. But Ananias, I'm going to say, probably thought it would be the most miraculous and amazing thing if this is true, mm. right? Because I would welcome this guy in because that would be a testimony for God like no other mm -hmm. he saw the i think he saw the bigger picture that's why god used him mm. and he would go and and do what he needed him to do he was a servant what did paul become that day paul became a servant also he became a servant because he he understood what it would mean to serve mm. and the next rest of his life what did he do he walked away from the things of this world and humbled himself before god and became his servant. That's what he did. Truly his servant. Not his idea of a servant. Mm. But truly what God called him to do. And when we're servants. Jeremiah gives a great picture. We're not going to read it. But it's in eight, chapter 18, 1 through 6. It's it's a, a, a symbol God gave him. He said, Jeremiah, get up and go down to the potter's house. Mm -hmm. Then when he went down there. He said, what do you see? So well, the potter was doing what? He had it on his, on his lathe. He had a clay he was making a pot and right. the pot Honest got marred yeah yeah and it got more to kind of fall apart. so what did he do he crushed it and restarted and mm -hmm. did it again that's a picture of what that's a picture of what god does with us yes he is the potter we are the clay the potter owns the clay the potter can do what he mm -hmm. wants with the clay the clay if it could speak would want to serve the potter in the best manner possible make me the best vessel the best vase the best bucket the best pitcher the best whatever that i would be of service and be used mm -hmm. on a regular basis right that's what that's what it would want if, if it could speak okay so does servanthood come easy often no yeah, most often I would say no. Often, right? Yeah. When we think of serving somebody, we wonder who's going to serve me. Who's going to Who's going to serve me? And we we didn't get fully here yet, and we're 
coming up on, on the end, but, but here's what we need to know, that God is at work everywhere around us. And he has chosen to do his work, to carry out his purposes and his plans through people. But the only people that he can use are those who serve him, mm. the ones who willingly serve. Now, I do want you to read um, one verse. Read Matthew 20, 26 to 28. So it's three verses, one, one passage. Matthew 20, 26 to 28. This is a very powerful place to end uh, as we as we go down this road. So this is Jesus himself speaking. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus himself says, you know, no slave, he says this in another place, no servant, no slave is above his master. Mm. And Jesus said, the Son of Man himself, they're going to know who he is and fully who he is after the resurrection. And then they're going to remember these words because the Spirit of God will remind them. What did Jesus say? He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Who did he serve? The Father. Mm -hmm. Who did he give his life for? Us. Whose plan was that? God's. The Father. Whose purpose made it all come about? The Father. Mm. And when you look at it, it's, it's powerful. And Jesus became obedient as a servant to the point of giving up his earthly life into the hands of people he created, sinful people that he created. Un unbelievable when, when we think about that, right? Totally unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of other incredible examples that, um, that we'll, we'll be talking about throughout this series. Mm -hmm. um, but here's the thing. We need to become a servant. Mm -hmm. And if you want to experience God, then you need to come to Christ and then give up your own will and say, you know what? God made me with a purpose. He has plans for me. My plans may not be his. In fact, they're probably not. So let's divest ourselves of our plans and sit before God and say, God, what do you want me to do? How much is he going to tell you? What you need to know at that moment. You know, <laughs> do this. Go to this place. Meet with that person. But then he's going to give you a lot of clues because Jesus actually saw the Father working. So we're going to be able to point out how we can see God working and how the Son did it, how Jesus himself saw it. We can do the same thing today. And we can know where God is working and, we, and we're invited to work with him, to join him. And then we can be brought in and bit by bit, God will give us what we need to know to be a part of what he's doing. It's really awesome. Mm, it so, is. It definitely is. Last thoughts or, or comments? Uh, you know, you, you were talking about something earlier. You said about how, you know, God does speak to people and people are like, God. Oh, and listen, it's not mutually exclusive. Like God only talks to this person. You said you've had it in your life. I've definitely had it in mine too. For those who believe and are serving and are listening, yeah, God is speaking. It's not something that this aberration of, oh, I don't know, that, no, he speaks. Absolutely. Or are we listening is yes. the question. 
And that takes a a little bit of learning. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just like it would be a servant. Mm -hmm. But but it doesn't take a lot of learning. The bigger part of learning is being the servant. Mm. Being willing, yeah. Being willing. That's that's a big piece. So, good. All right. Hey, Mike, close us out with with prayer, and uh, we'll see everybody next time. All right. Um, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day, Lord. We, um, we know that your word goes out and it does never comes back void. And, um, you know what? We're just thankful for that because we know that somebody is hearing this Lord and, um, taking you in Lord. And we pray that they'll ask you into their hearts and their minds and be that willing servant, Jesus, that you were. And we know that you love them. And, um, we thank you and praise you that you are drawing others in and others want to come to you. And we praise you in your holy name. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. Until next week. Thank you.